Hello, and welcome to BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast, coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida and Marion, Massachusetts, hosted by Ed Shanafee, USPTA professional and international businessman. This is the podcast that researches and looks at the club management and facility side of our business. Hello, and welcome to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. I'm Ed Shanafee, I'm your host, and thank you for joining us for another show where we look at the news and the views from our tennis, fitness, and country club industries. This week, we're excited to have join us Tim Clay. He's a USPTR certified professional. He's been out there in Naperville, Illinois, at a homeowners association called Stillwater Tennis. He's been there 15 years, a total of 15. He's been director of tennis there for 10, and he served as the assistant for five. We're going to be investigating homeowners, HOA, homeowners associations, and POAs, property owners associations, and how they are similar and how they're not similar to working at an indoor facility or a country club or a simple tennis club. It's a different dynamic at a homeowners association with the residents actually in residence where you're teaching. They don't come to you, you go to them. And we're going to look at the differences and how to deal with the politics that happens so frequently and so often. Actually, it's wonderful to hear from Tim because he's actually learned the system and works really well with his HOA. Before I bring Tim on, I just want to remind our listeners that we have lots of um, posts going up during these uncertain times of COVID-19 at beyondthebaselines.com. And we're also upping the number of podcasts we do. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts. You can find us uh, under Beyond the Baselines on Apple and Spotify. And you can also find all the podcasts on our podcast page at beyondthebaselines.com. In addition, we're adding heavily to our Patreon page. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash beyondthebaselines. We're always available by email at beyondthebaselines at gmail.com. So please always feel free to contact us and see if we can help you and your facility. So... Without further ado, here's Tim Clay. So this week we have with us joining the Beyond the Baselines podcast, Tim Clay, who is director of tennis at Stillwater Tennis uh, out in uh, Illinois. He's been there as the director for 10 10 years. He's been the um, assistant there before that for five years. So he's been 15 years at the same association. He's a USPTR certified professional. We met through our recent town hall, which covered seasonal and smaller associations and clubs in the coronavirus era. We're not going to really focus today on the uh, coronavirus that carefully. We're going to actually focus more on uh, tennis at housing uh, homeowner associations, HOAs, uh, or property owner associations, or POAs. So Tim, welcome to the broadcast, and it's great to have you here. Welcome. Good morning. How's it going? I'm um, good. Thanks. Uh, staying healthy. And how about you? Yes, the same. Good. So uh, looking at the, your experience, really, uh, you've been, you said you've been teaching for 20 years, I think. Did you say that? Correct. And your experience, 15 of those is in homeowner associations. Um, it is. Yeah. Yep. And, and why don't you, since you've been, you're much more uh, versed in, in the homeowners association than I am, would you define uh, like your association or a homeowners residential association, could you define how that works and uh, let, us, let us understand that a little bit better? 
Sure. So we have four courts and in the summer, everything else is open the summer or the pool, um, basketball courts, um, various other activities. I'm there spring through fall, which is about mid-March to end of October. And just, just a variety of tennis programs going on. So lessons, events, leagues, tournaments, all kinds of things. So, so how, many homes, how many homes are there in your association at Stillwater? Sure, they're right around 500. So 500 doors. And you say you have leagues. Now, I have some experience at this, and I'll we'll go down that line, uh, that, that story a little later. But you say you have leagues. So you have, you have ladies' leagues, men's leagues, mixed leagues. What are the leagues? What do they look like at yours? Yeah, sure. So in the summer, there is a local league for the whole uh, city that is for all the country clubs and homeowners associations in the city of Naperville, which is about 150,000 people. Um, so the indoor clubs and the park and rec departments, they're not part of this league, but this league has been around as long as I can remember. So I'm going to guess 15 to 20 years. Okay. Uh, and then there's also a junior league as well. And these matches are Friday. So my entire Friday is watching matches um, there's really no lessons on Fridays. Do you have, so let's go, let's go, let's backtrack a little bit. So the, the homeowners there, there are 500 doors, obviously not everyone plays tennis. So what happens if you're short? I mean, do you have too many people on a team? Do you have too few? When you have too few, do you fill that with outs, quote unquote outsiders coming in from outside the community? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So that's usually the one time where the non-residents or the guests are allowed to participate on a regular basis. So the leagues, just like on any other league is ability based for the ladies. And so if they're going to be short, a uh, few players, then we can get some outside residents, which are usually the ladies friends from maybe their indoor leagues uh, mm -hmm. onto our team. So each league for the ladies is four courts, which and it's all doubles. So that's eight ladies. And obviously you need more than eight ladies on a team because not everyone's available all the time. So right. I'm, I'm going to guess, you know, for one team, it's a little bit more for another team. It's a little less of non-residents and it's always just kind of year by year based upon need, like you were saying. Okay. So I'm going, I'm going to ask some questions based on my history. Now, my history sure. is I was at uh, ocean trail as director of tennis and fitness there down in Jupiter, Florida for three years. Um, Again, it was a, it was a mid it was winter season, so we basically went October first to April fifteenth. Um, two ladies teams, one men's team. The ladies teams were a little more difficult because we had to have the outside residents from the community come in to support those teams. We didn't quite have enough um, at all, you know, through the whole twenty six weeks of the year. It's a long season down here in Florida. That is. <laughs> yeah, it's longer than the NBA season. I and, and, and they play a third. I don't know if you play a third set out, but they play a third set out. And and and, and you're and you're getting to one of my questions. One of my questions is: Is there any animosity? Uh, do you charge the outside residents when they come to play? Do they have to join as a member of the quote unquote association, or is it free and they're just doing a favor for the team? Yeah, that, that's a good one. So, uh, the, the biggest thing is: Let's imagine I've got nine ladies that can play on a Friday for a match and one of them is an outside residence and the eight are all residents. 
mm-hmm. then the rule, the rule I follow given the HOA is the residents play first. Right. And so when I start getting a decent amount of non-residents playing on a week, then it's making that decision. And so that's usually just something I'm up I'm front with all non-residents initially. You know, this is how it works. I'm not the one that makes the decision on that rule, but we do need to follow it. Outside of that, uh, there's an expectation of a, a, an additional charge uh, mm-hmm. for them, uh, but nothing significant. Okay. So, so the association really uh, allows them to play there, the outside the community players to come in and just do it as a favor with a small charge, like a guest fee. Exactly. They understand that if they don't get the ladies <laughs> on their team, they're not going to be playing. So. Right. Exactly. Now um, that brings me to my next and. And, and I know your job is rife with politics. And, and, and I'm going to go back to my original question to you when I, I outlined a few questions, you know, before we started talking. Um, do you think it's really hard being at a residential association? And I have, it's a two, two-pronged two question. One is because the residents are always there. It's not like a country club where you drive in, there's nobody there in the morning. You drive in, they're already there. They're, they're in the community. They're within the gate. In my experience, they, there were four huge high-rises all looking down at my tennis courts. They knew my car. They knew when I showed up. Is that harder for you? Do you find that, uh, I don't know, an obstacle? Um, I think it's just what your expectations are and what your mindset is going in. I, as When I was an assistant there, just helping out, it was just for the summers. Uh, I was working at a year-round indoor club full-time there. So I had kind of that mentality of, a, of an indoor club. Um, and then when I took over, I still had that mentality. And I I don't think it was the best mindset to go into. Um, as I was there longer and, and got to see what the residents wanted, mm-hmm. um, I became much more comfortable with it and just understood that it wasn't the same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm at the point now where uh, being there 10 years, the director, I mean, the families, it, it's a great thing to be there, that they're all there. Uh, you get to know the families on an individual basis. Um, it's nice that they all live there. So let's say there's inclement weather. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, five minutes before if things dry up, okay, we're still going to go on. Whereas if I had to drive there, that's a different story. And, uh, you know, really in terms of the the family thing, I've gotten married and had a child in the past five years. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't tell you the amount of support, uh, that the the actual homeowner association, the families, uh, have had for me given that. So that's fantastic. uh, and, yeah. and what's your what's your average age there? It's probably a big difference from where I was too. What's your what's your demographic like? Sure, it's a lot of it's a lot of families, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with anywhere from probably one to to four kids, and maybe not everyone in the household is participating, and obviously not every household is. Um, but there's usually some parents and some kids that are you know anywhere from grade school to high school. There's not too many that are. Uh, parents without any children or the children have moved out, they start to slowly move out of the neighborhood once that happens because they may not be looking for all those amenities. Right. So in actuality, you look at it in a different way. You look at it as an advantage, I'm sure, when you have all these kids in the community. That's quite a a nice universe to pick from. Yeah. And that's that's what I mean. I, I really had to change the way I looked at things going from an indoor club to an HOA. Mm-hmm. and not approach it the same way, but understand what the benefits were. Interesting. So uh, are you an employee or an independent contractor there? Uh, neither. Neither? How does <laughs> neither. that work? Yep. Uh, actually, the, the residents, the customers all pay me. Mm-hmm. And usually everyone says, oh, that sounds great. 
Mm-hmm. And it may be, uh, but you really have to take into account all of your expenses right. and all liabilities that come with that. So, so you run kind of your own corporation under within the HOA. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and okay. some, I, so just in my Naperville area alone, there are close to 20 um, HOAs or country clubs that are in this league and each neighborhood or subdivision or HOA is just a little bit different. Some, yeah have employees, some have independent contractors, some have salaries. It really just depends. Okay. I understand. It is interesting. I, I, I have found in looking at different associations versus clubs, associations, um, because they're owned and operated by the homeowners and it's residential, they're very particular about liability. Yes. And, and they don't like independent contractors because they have to check insurances, workers' compensation, the whole, the whole spiel. Um, and, I, and, I, and I found that if you uh, work it as a S-corp, as a full corporation, you don't have to jump through as many hula hoops um, because you're actually a corporation coming to do business at another corporation or association. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now. And Mm -hmm. all those things that you said that they're concerned about, I provide in terms of insurance on an annual basis to them. Right. Um, And and I will say a decent amount of the HOAs around me are starting to go to being operated by an indoor local tennis club, Mm -hmm. because obviously then they have all those things we just talked about. There's only a few left of tennis coaches, tennis pros that operated on their own in the area. So, and you're one of the few remaining. Correct. All right. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, um, separation of uh, corporate power, so to speak, in, in that you're, you're a corporation actually working there rather than, quote, unquote, an independent contractor. So, that being said, you run – what's nice about that is you, you, you run the entire business through your own business. And you see all your expenses. You have all your insurances. You see all your revenues – um, and does, and, 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 you know, correct me if, if I'm wrong, but does, does the association take a small percentage from you or do you get to keep all of it? I get to keep all of it. Um, but there's a decent amount of jobs or duties that I do, uh, mm-hmm. in my contract, uh, to do what I do, um, that are unpaid. So, uh, whether it's just regular maintenance on a daily or monthly basis, mm-hmm. um, and helping them out. I mean, there, there's even just small, small times. I'll just drive over there to open up the facility uh, for some workers. So it's just, it's just small things here and there that all add up. And let me get the idea. Is it, is it, is it hard courts or is it uh, clay courts? What kind of courts? Sure. We're, we're four hard courts. Um, and they were actually just resurfaced a couple years ago with a cushion that nice. the, really the management, yeah, with the management and the board really being on, on board for it. And it, it was a great collaboration. Great. Any pickleball? Um, we're just kind of get, getting to that point where this is probably going to be the year. Um, it's just starting to get big in Illinois. So mm-hmm. you have a slightly younger demographic as well. So we do, but it's actually pretty big. The pickleball is in high yeah. school, uh, right nearby. So oh, we may get some of that. Okay. So, um, and at your, at your association, Stillwater, is there a fitness side of things? I mean, do they have a massage therapist on call? Do they have, or is it really just tennis and swimming? It's really just tennis and swim. They added uh, a full court basketball court uh, that also kind of has some pitching lanes in it. And it's got a tennis wall part of it. Um, Then there's a 
then there's the locker rooms for the pool and then the clubhouse that is able to be used for certain uh, special events for us to swim. But that's it. There's no, no other fitness, anything like that. Okay, so now we understand your situation, and, and what I'm trying to, uh, what I, what I'm trying to do here beyond the baselines is exemplify or demonstrate to my listeners all the different ramifications and situations, or the situations that create ramifications for us as directors of tennis and for boards. So you actually have an HOA board there, homeowners board. Cor- right? We do, correct. Yep. And you probably, and do you have someone that's in charge of just the tennis program that's also a board member? We do. Yes. Let me talk about the budget. So when you have a budget, and obviously you're budgeting for your own business, but obviously the HOA is going to have a budget that it looks, it's looking at the tennis side of the plant, so to speak, the property. Um, are you involved in those discussions? And does that involve the, the head of the tennis board member, the, the head of tennis? And does it involve the community association manager? Yeah, all those are involved. And just like a even if you look at an indoor club or a year-round outdoor club or a country club, there are certain things that you're going to be able to get to your capital expenses on, a, on an annual basis. So when we had the courts redone, I think it was four years ago, mm-hmm. I was involved heavily in that. And so me and the, uh, the tennis board uh, member liaison, we were around, went around to different facilities to see the cushion surface, uh, worked with, with her and the management company on this. And it took time. And, but there was definitely a lot of collaboration, communication. Right now, you know, there's nothing capital expense-wise for tennis coming up. It's been mm-hmm. more the pool or the ponds or trees, things like that. So that's where the budget involvement comes in. Just not understanding, okay, you got to wait your turn. Uh, you know, it's as needed or there's other things that are needed. I love those years when there's no capital expenditure for my department because I can lay low. <laughs> I can lay low, right? The same. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you a question uh, in talking about that. Have you ever had, and I found this at Jupiter where I was, um, is there any animosity towards the, A, the outside players coming in, and B, like, they, although they may live together in the same HOA, not all of them play tennis. So is there something that goes like, well, why are we paying for that capital expenditure? I don't play tennis. Have you had any experience like that, any of that little bit of, quote unquote animosity towards a tennis program because the resident doesn't play tennis. Oh yeah. I think that comes up a lot just like it does, you know, regarding other things that I've mentioned, the ponds or the pool or mm-hmm. introduction of basketball courts and the, the message that's usually sent out, I feel like, and not by me, uh, more, I, I believe management and board is, you know, when you purchase the property or maybe you're a renter, you understood what you were getting into as a resident. Mm-hmm. And these are the amenities offered and, they may not be, you may not use every single amenity, but they do need updates. Uh, there are things we're going to have to spend money on, expected, unexpected. And we want this for the better in the community. And usually it also keeps the property value up. Right. That, that was my biggest discussion with the board. And, 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 and I had a different situation where the, the property management association uh, the CAM, the, the, the community association manager came under a different company, uh, started, uh, was a new management company, and they wanted a, a larger portion of all the tennis revenues because they were trying to uh, appease the residents. They were trying to cut down some of the programming 
and trying to cut the program by and, and cut the revenue a little bit. And, and I, I went back to the board saying, well, why? Because the more programming you have and the, the busier the courts, the busier the swimming, busier the other activities, the more people are going to want to buy in that development in that community. Isn't that the case? You find that the case as well? Definitely. Yeah. If the swim is, is big and the tennis is big, that helps if the tennis is big and I, I can get people play, getting involved in the swim program and vice versa. That's great. Um, and if the tennis program is small, we're trying to find a way to get more people in there so that yes, the program is big, but also so the programs go, you know, if a class is small and we need some outside residents that allows for the people that are residents to participate in the program. Right. But you yeah. do get some, every, when I used to do that, I used to have a, and I want to talk about your program, but some of my programming, I'd have cardio tennis and I'd have four residents and maybe four of their friends who they know from, as you said, you know, other community tennis situations. And I would always get a little, you know, feedback about having outsiders coming through that gate for a program. Now, how big is your program? Do you have adult clinics? Do you have junior, obviously you have junior clinics because you've got such a great universe there. What, what happens in the morning with the adults? Do you have adult programming there? Yeah. The, spring through fall, there are, there's a little bit of adults during the day with some daytime ladies. It picks up more, obviously, in the summer with the kids off school. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's limited, and it's probably two to four days a week with some ladies and, and some privates. Okay. Um, and then the kids in the afternoon, you know, spring and fall when, when there's not school. But I, th- I think back to something that you mentioned earlier, you know, concerns or issues with maybe board or management company. Yep. I really feel like that the past five years and more have been really good. It's been a consistent board member and management company and the communication is directly with the management company, uh, main operator, the president. And she's a, she's a great person. Yeah. Um, before that it was, it would be a different person sometimes. And, and there were some issues with the board before that. And so really once you get, you know, that great line of communication, that consistent person on each side, it really helps. Um, and things are much more easy and fluid. I, I totally agree. Obviously in any board, the part of the situation we face as directors and you've been there a long time. Um, but I, I see it from my standpoint at country clubs, where, which is where like, I most of I work. And also where I, when I was at the homeowners association down there in Jupiter, the changeover of board members actually is, is, is tough because you have to learn how to communicate with each new board member. And, and each board member has their own idea of how much they want to hear from you, how much they want to be a participant of the board, how much time they're willing to give to it. Obviously, most, it's almost always volunteer, volunteers. Um, and I find that, you know, if, if you have a board that changes, say, 25% of their members or 30% of their members every year, it gets very difficult to get a, a standard uh, communication line through to the board. And if you have the same manager for years, that helps. But the consistent rotation of board members can be, can be difficult. I, I definitely agree. I, I remember there was a point where there was a change of board, specifically board, I believe, president and then management company. Uh, along with that. And there was definitely a change uh, to the point, you know, maybe there was proof of each person playing tennis where they live to prove that they're residents. Right. From from there, the requirement that they're up on their dues. And if not, uh, they're no longer able to participate in the program. So, you know, 
And sometimes you got to figure out too when you when you're getting information or or getting a directive, who is it coming from? It may be coming from the management company, but is it really coming from the board? Um, right. Vice versa. Exactly. And and I found that the, that that an association of, of HOAs are. are, are are rife with that. They, it, it's very difficult because the motivations of each resident, um, they, they live there. They haven't joined a club to participate in the club's activities. They've, they've found a property they like with, with, uh, with nice um, benefits, but they don't always use all the benefits. And if they don't use the tennis benefit, then there can be some, you know, quote unquote animosity a little bit. Um, but, but as you said, they've, they've joined your community knowing that there's a strong tennis program. Let me, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. I live in a gated community in, in uh, Florida here in the winter. Uh, and my HOA is, is, is owned still by the developer, which is a, a problem because the developer doesn't want to spend too much money while they're making profits on building the rest of the homes out. But every time I try to start something, we have three beautiful clay courts, um, every time I try to get in with a developer, I send them a proposal, I get shot down. Uh, any strategies to help me? Like you said, I think that's an interesting one with the developer owner still involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously when that changes, things probably may change, you know, significantly then too. Um, I, I have found when there's been issues or concerns that are either of mine or other residents, the more you can get a large group of residents together and kind of get on board with you, whether they're on the board itself or just residents and find it a, a tactical way to get, get some information out and try to have them be on your team and support you. And it's come up at other times and maybe that's a resident attending the board meeting, mm-hmm. voicing some concerns, going to bat for you and just getting the people that are paying the dues involved because the management company overall is to serve the neighborhood, the, the homeowners association. Right. And so that, that's where you try to get them involved. Exactly. And, and sometimes I think, um, you said your manager is fantastic, but sometimes I think the managers at these HOAs, they're almost like a little fiefdom. Uh, they, they, I've seen it where they don't feel that they are actually servicing the residents. They're actually running the property. And they're, they're really <laughs> focused on the property. I, I know you're going to agree with me on this. And, right. and, and then you're in a tough spot as, as someone who wants to service the membership and they just kind of think they, they own you as a pro or as somebody else giving services. Have you found that? Yeah, I, I feel like dealing with, with, with some of them that they dislike the idea that they feel like you're, you're working for them and they're going to tell you what to do and they're going to give you as much busy work to do, things that may not need to be done because this is a chance for them maybe to be in a supervisor role and that's, that's really not their job. Um, right. And I, I, I can recall, I, I forgot in college, I worked uh, with an HOA and it was a small one, just two courts and ran a program. And it got to the point that I did a first season. Things were really weird and, and uncomfortable with the, the management company. Talked to some other older coaches and pros and they said, yeah, you, you, know, you probably just need to get out of there. Canceled the second season and they were so incompetent they still paid me for it i did i didn't i didn't do a single lesson well yeah i have found that a lot of times there's a disconnect between the manager of the the association the management company that has put the manager in there and the board um 
and that doesn't work well either. Um, you're very well versed, and, and, and this is more of a, a theoretical question. You're very well versed with HOAs, how they, how they act and how they respond to different programming, different personnel. Have you ever thought of managing another one or two or three and trying to see if you could expand, you know, the, the Stillwater model? Yeah, I think there's been some opportunities that have come up in the past five to 10 years for that, or when I was an assistant uh, to run one. And I always kind of look at time mm -hmm. and my ability to, to give my best. Um, but a big thing that you're going to look at is just the expectations of the residents and really, you know, looking at your contract that you have. Mm -hmm. You may have a contract that asks you to spend the majority of your time there and it may be defined clearly, it may not. Um, but if they're looking for you to be there five, six days a week as the director on site, then the ability to go to another one may be limited by that contract as well. Right. So, you know, you're, you're managing another facility and everyone's got to be on board that at the other facility that you're not going to be there. And it is truly just managing and setting things up and maybe training some staff but not actually physically on site. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I've always, I've, I've thought of doing it. Um, uh, I've had a couple of opportunities to expand what I do beyond the baselines in that we go into clubs and, and actually manage this, this winter. I managed each chop through the winter and help them develop, you know, budget and uh, get their new director on board and then hand over to the new manager. Um, I've thought that maybe, you know, I could manage a club, not from afar, but, you know, somewhere in the same vicinity and, and get a really strong director tenants there reporting to me so that, you know, the director's just not hanging out on their own without too much experience if that's what they don't have. Um, I thought about it. Uh, as you said, it, it's a time allocation um, that you have to think about in terms of your own life balance, wellness. You have a young, young, a young uh, child, so it's tougher too. Um, I have thought about it. I, I think there are companies out there that are doing it more and more, but I just was wondering just theoretically if you had ever thought of that because you're very well versed in the HOA side of things, and that's a whole other side of our business that a lot of country club and high-intensity, high-performance teaching pros don't see, and there's a lot of HOAs across the country. But, yeah, there are, and I, I – I, there was an opportunity that came up a couple of years ago to do one, and it was a it was a site that was an hour away or more. Mm -hmm. And some things I looked at was time, definitely right away. Uh, how much time I would spend actually with it, uh, my ability to get there if needed, um, but also just finding someone in the area. It was it was an hour away, and I'm in the Chicago suburbs. This wasn't an easy hour drive. This is one that could have turned into two hours or more with traffic. Right. So if something worst case happened um, and just, you know, you've got to figure out how much communication is needed. I, in the summer, I could probably spend 15 hours or more just calling, texting, emailing people as a director. Mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, a lot of people don't understand or don't think happens. And there's no way you can do that if you're running multiple sites. So you've got to find someone, like you said, that is a, is a director uh, or a head pro and, but also someone you can trust.
So in HOA, you're servicing the mem- members, I call them members of residents. Yeah. Um, how much time do you actually spend servicing them? You said in the summer when it's busy, you're, you're on the phone or texting or emailing up to 15 hours a week. Yeah. And, and you know, something that we don't think about is if you work at a country club or an indoor tennis club or it's an outdoor club, let's, it's not a country club. There's usually an office there. You work collaboratively, physically, in person with other people, management, board. You see them physically. At an HOA, you may not have an office. I don't have an office. My, my office is my phone or tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with weather, returning phone calls, text emails. And so I, I do a lot of work then at home, early mornings, late evening, weekends, whenever. And there's a, there's a lot that goes on, whether it's sending out an invoice, whether it's confirming a lineup, whether it's checking to make sure that Johnny's able to play the match this Friday against another club, makeups, whatever it is, scheduling lessons, you know, it's, it's just a variety of things. And you don't have, I don't have someone that's just going to return phone calls. You know, there's not like a, a front desk. So, yeah, and that's the toughest part is you are the front desk, you're the front of, right. front of house and, and tennis pro. Um, yep. Just out of interest, uh, what kind of financial software package do you use? Because I get so many people asking me, you know, what, what a small club or a small HOA director of tennis should use. What, what do you use? Sure. I use QuickBooks. Uh, I have for, I don't know, eight plus years. And I found really the, the best thing I did for myself time management wise mm-hmm. and registration wise the past two, three years was set up online registration. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn how to make my own website. I had to learn how to make forms or build forms mm-hmm. uh, through form builders and then take payment from that. Before, I just kind of sent out electronic invoices and then collect money, cash, check, credit cards. Mm-hmm. But I went to online registration. In the first year alone, mm-hmm. I was up to over 90% registrations that way. And is, prepay, is that prepay? That's prepay, and it just made things so much easier because that way I could really do accounting whenever I wanted to, didn't have to go to the bank, whatever it was, um, and it, just, it was just so easy. So, Yeah, I, uh, I, I use QuickBooks as well. Um, I've run um, everything from a small HOA to my summer job now, which is a pretty major job uh, through QuickBooks, and I've actually tried to create, I get better and better as you learn. You know, as you said, you, you teach yourself. Um, on how to a chase money more conveniently <laughs> yeah. or pre-register. And, and, and last year I started uh, with the junior program. I did pre-registration on Google forms Okay. and found that I could just import the Google forms into a spreadsheet and then just boom, knock it out, knock out exactly. the, um, yep. the, the sales receipt. Um, because the best thing for, I find for QuickBooks, I don't know if you use it, but, once you get a credit card, it stores it PCI compliant on the QuickBooks server. So that customer, that, resi- that, that resident, every time they take a lesson, I just hit the button, it debits their credit card. It's fantastic. I, I, I myself am a little bit different, but I've heard about other guys telling me that. And yes, that, that aspect sounds great uh, yep. for sure. It's almost like a prepay because before yep. they go on the court, you get their credit card file in, into the file. And then every time they come back or every time they do something through the test program, you can just fill them right away. And I think uh, I was going to say just the idea of taking credit card at, at the HOA is, is so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I wasn't opposed to it before, but there's so many in the area I know still that they're just doing cash check. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do credit card. 
at the, again, that's the majority of the, the payments I take. Mm-hmm. People like it because obviously they're getting rewards. It's convenient. It's easy. And it, it's really easier for me. If I get take cash or check again, I'm going to the bank. So it's just easier all around. And the, the service or convenience fees are so minimal that, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I just build the, the 2%, 3% that QuickBooks charges yeah. to the price. The, the thing about the checks is I found that I can, I can do online banking out of the checks, but Correct. I'll be honest, it's, it's so much, here's the point, your, your residents live right there. They're not going to walk outside with their wallet every time. And, especially with, right, especially with contactless pay, you know, with Apple yeah, Pay exactly. and all those things. And, and members too at clubs, they, they don't want to carry their wallets from their car. Um, so you either do, you know, member billing at clubs, or if you're, if you're a contractor doing it, uh, just do it online at night and there you go. Um, finally, just to, just to bring it back to the homeowner association, if you had your druthers, would you rather work at a homeowner's association or would you rather work at a country club? I, I will say the past 10 years by working at the HOA and starting my own company, I've really been able to develop myself educationally and, and business-wise mm-hmm. with things I, I definitely could not have done if I worked at a at other, other type of club. And just as we said earlier, just, I had to learn new skills and it's something I enjoyed doing. And I'm not sure I would have learned those skills if someone was doing those things for me, if they were doing the accounting for me. Um, going forward, I, I would... I'm definitely open to the idea of working at a country club. And I, I feel like, again, by learning the new skills, it's just one more characteristic I can, I can put out there on the resume. So Right. It's a new skill set. Yeah. I, I actually, I'm like you, I enjoy the challenge of, of combining what we do as tennis instructors and directors of tennis with the business side of things and trying to sort out easier ways to pay and easier ways to market, you know, um, because you're bringing your business to the market, marketplace. An HOA where you're your own corporation working within that HOA is, 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 is you're bringing your business to market, which is very interesting. Yeah, and, and I guess back to your question, I, I, what I like about both of them is, and it was something I didn't realize about myself until I started working at the HOA as the director, is I love working outside. Uh, I come from a background of really working indoors predominantly, at a club um, near Chicago and believe really that the tennis season indoors is September through May. And it's really long yeah. and it's, it's much nicer outside. You don't need to be inside that long high school and college play outside during those times, September, October, March, April, May. So just the idea of being outside is something I love doing and a country club and HOA allows for that an indoor club. You, you're really not getting outside much. Exactly. And I got to ask you one question before you wrap up. Uh, you said you start in March. It's, it's cold in Chicago in March. Are you playing outdoors? Are you playing? I mean, there's the paddle set. The paddle season is still in full swing. What's going on in the tennis? Well, yeah, you, you mentioned paddle. So Naperville has been mentioned uh, for a couple of years now. It's supposed to be the next paddle area. That's uh, right. We're supposed to get paddle, but it, it's yet to happen. Okay. Uh, I've, I've talked to my board a little bit about it. I know it's not the, the least expensive thing to add out there. You need the, the property for it, too. Uh, I've been out as early as middle February outdoors doing something one year. I've been out as late as mid November. Um, the nets are kind of up there uh, when I ask them to put up them mm-hmm. uh, and they kind of come down usually when I ask. Um, 
And so I'm out there. If it's 40 degrees, not much wind and sunny, I'm good. Mm-hmm. If, it's, <laughs> if it's 45 and not sunny and windy, yeah. it's pretty brutal out there. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember that if I've got kids out there, they have better blood circulation than I do. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a Florian now. I, I grew up in New York State, but I, I, I would not make it in a 40, 40 degree day on a tennis court in a windswept Chicago. But uh, Tim, thanks for being on the podcast. And Thank you. I'll, I'll put Stillwater, all the information for you and your contact details for everyone anyone has questions about HOA and working with HOAs because uh, you're so well-versed with them. I'll put those in the show notes and, okay, great. Um, and it's been great to talk to you and, and meet you over, you know, do, good things do come out of the coronavirus. I'm, I'm meeting new and, and, and wonderful pros from around the country and around the world, which is fantastic. And I'm sure you've done the same. I definitely agree. Obstacles always bring out new challenges and champions adjust, you know, that's right. Well, stay healthy and stay you safe too. out there. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. I'm your host, Ed Shanafee, and it's a pleasure bringing you every week news and views and great guests from our tennis and fitness industry. You can always reach me at BeyondTheBaselines at gmail.com or by phone at the office on 508 538 1288. Please do visit our website, beyondthebaselines.com. And on our site, there's a link to our Patreon page, which has even more information for you and your club and your facility in our wonderful industry. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.